Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, watching another episode of the G3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the G3 Project. And like I told you in the past, we're going to try to do most of our uh, podcasts with Google Hangouts now, just so they'll be uh, they'll be accessible um, through video on Facebook and YouTube, um, because we know people like to watch these conversations and it's easy to share on social media through video. So today we have a very special guest. Uh, Pastor Jerome Gay. Welcome, Pastor Gay. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Uh, for those who don't know who you are, can you give our listeners and viewers a little bit uh, more about you? Yeah, Jerome Gay, originally from Washington, D.C. Uh, I am the husband of one wife, uh, Crystal <laughs> Gay, uh, father of two children, Jamari, uh, 11, Jordan, my son, who's five, and I have the honor of pastoring some wonderful people of Vision Church uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Our church is six years old, and we've been grateful for what the the Lord has done in and through our ministry. Awesome. I first uh, kind of heard about you through Cam, and then I saw a video uh, that you did with uh, for Dr. Eric Mason's uh, Thrive Conference, um, which is why we have you on here today to mm. talk about uh, a very popular person in the African-American world right now, yeah. Uh, Dr. Umar Johnson, for those who don't know who he is, uh, can you kind of explain his role in culture right now and yeah. how he's kind of leading a movement? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so he, he goes by the uh, name Papa, which stands for the Prince of Pan-Africanism. Oh, and wow. he, he is a leading voice in Pan-African thought and ideology. He's a prolific speaker. Uh, a psychiatrist worked uh, well in schools and was a principal at one point, uh, has an authentic PhD, a very well-spoken, educated man. Uh, Pan-Africanism at its uh, core is pretty much the uh, political, uh, economic, social uh, development of people of African descent. And it seeks to empower uh, black and brown people uh, for success. And so it's more of an ideology than it is a specific religion. Within pa Pan-Africanism, you can have uh, Christians, Muslims, humanists, uh, just, just people that have a heart or a, an affinity uh, for people of African descent. So that's kind of the primary focus of Pan-Africanism. And what, Dr. Umar, what does he, because I kind of can, from his interviews, you can't tell uh, what kind of, uh, what train of thought is he within uh, Pan-Africanism? Is he uh, Christian? Is he humanist, Islam, or is it like a melting pot? Yeah, I would say more of a melting pot. I've heard him, I've, I've watched many of his uh, talks, and he said he kind of came out of AME, um, but I think he would more lean towards Islam. In fact, I heard him say in an interview, I'm not, I can't remember how old it was, I don't know if that's changed, uh, that he's a Muslim. Now, again, I, I, I'm not sure if that's his, his current position, but I did hear him say that specifically in one of his videos. And so that's that's how he will leave. He, he definitely uh, is not a humanist. He, he, he does believe in some deity. Um, he, he because he's he focuses on people of African descent, primarily black people that uh, just historically we are a spiritual people. And so uh, just his ideology alone 
I don't think would lend him to to um, deny the existence of a God. Now, uh, he would probably disagree most likely with us as Christians as who that God is and the mm-hmm. monotheistic uh, assertion we have that there's only one God. Uh, but he's definitely a, a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Why do you think what kind of his movement is so attractive to millennials? Well, well several things. There, there are three kind of anchors of Pan-Africanism. One is the centrality of ethnicity. And so what Dr. Umar would say is, you know, that your ethnicity uh, should be the, the, the primary and determining factor of your identity. And the reason he would say that is because, you know, you can you can walk away from your faith. You know, we call that apostasy in Christianity. You can walk away from your marriage. You can walk away from your job. Sadly, uh, you can you can walk away from your children. Uh, but one thing you cannot walk away from is being black. And so one one component would be the centrality of ethnicity. Uh, the second piece would be uh, just economic, social, all types of empowerment for people. So he wants to see us educated. Uh, a lot of his talks is on, on parenting and how uh, he, he'll say phrases like, which I agree, said, man, you know, black parents should give their children homework every day. Uh, he wants to see black and brown people educated, empowered uh, educationally, economically, socially and politically. Then a third kind of core value of Pan-Africanism would be repatriation. And repatriation is just um, uh, in some cases going back to Africa, but being intentional about the empowerment, the the development and the uh, progression of the continent of Africa. And he feels that America is concerned about every continent but Africa, even though uh, primarily Africans built American culture through forced labor. So those are the three core values there that uh, of of Pan-Africanism that he is a is a staunch proponent of and that he preaches heavily. Mm-hmm. And I can see why that would be popular in our culture today, especially giving giving African Americans a sense of identity and a rich heritage. Uh, yeah. Where it where when you compare that to evangelicalism, it seems to strip us and rob us of our our heritage. When you're encountering people who have kind of left Christianity and kind of went into uh, Pan Africanism and kind of adopted this thought of Dr. Omar Johnson, how do you kind of approach them? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first I want to be intentional about demonizing cultural affinity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's important that we don't uh, act as if uh, being happy to be black or brown, to be a person of color. uh, It doesn't mean that you're anti-white and that, but we should celebrate the Imago Day in us. And so if someone is saying, man, they're about black businesses, they're about black empowerment, I'll say, so am I. You know, as a black man, you know, I serve primarily a black community. I lead a predominantly black church and I want to see I see certain issues within our culture that I can't ignore as a as a black man who happens to be a Christian. And so I want to affirm that I I don't want to demonize cultural affinity. Uh, But then to take it a step further, I want to go into that our identity can't be within our ethnicity alone, that since Mm -hmm. we have a creator, then scripture, and I think creation alone would let us know that we exist for the glory of that creator, not just mm-hmm. our own economic, social, political, even spiritual empowerment, but that we want to engage and be the hands and feet. Uh, scripture would tell us in Second Corinthians in 5, 5, we are his ambassadors, that we are the hands and feet, the representatives of the Lord. And so I want to I meet them there. But then the second thing uh, you, you alluded to it, Lisa, is you know, when we think about Christianity, there's this false notion that it's a white man's religion. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the reason being is, you know, we, we see incorrect white pictures of Jesus. We're given white pictures of black church fathers. You know, Athanasius was known as the black dwarf. When you look at some of the seminary books, there's a white man on the cover of that book, Augustine, the church father of Hippo. He was an African church father, Tertullian. He was African. Mm-hmm. Many of the people in the Bible, if anything, biblically speaking, it's a black and brown man's religion. Mm-hmm. Imrod was a person of color. Jethro was a person of color. Four of the women in Jesus's early, earthly lineage were women of color. And so when we, when we begin to read and research that, we'll find that there's no way historically or geographically to think that Christianity is a white man's religion. The issue, though, is uh, many of our white brothers and sisters have either been silent or been complicit in the in perpetuating the false narrative uh, that it's a white man's religion by only highlighting white contributions. So Mm -hmm. so since they kind of herald the the reformers, Martin Luther and John Calvin, uh, we start within the 15th century and we miss out on these Athanasius, a black man who led a revolt, mm-hmm. who led one of the church, uh, one of our church fathers who kind of helped, uh, helped shape theology and culture. And so that's, those are some of the reasons why uh, we're seeing somewhat of a black exodus is because Christianity has ignored its African roots and its black mm-hmm. and brown contributions. And we need to recapture that reality and, and praise God for that. Because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't believe because of the slave trade. There were African church fathers who believed in Christ and taught Christ well before the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I think the greatest apologetic in in this sense is church history, uh, telling the truth about what happened. And um, unfortunately, um, I was I was reading an article by Lecrae and he was talking about, you know, the kind of in 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 white evangelicalism. And the now we kind of demonize, they kind of demonize, you know, Martin Luther, your Martin Luther Kings, your James Cone, but then don't talk about the issues of a John Calvin or the anti-Semitic behavior of Martin Luther. And so you're not telling the truth, um, which leads to hypocrisy, right. and, uh, which further pushes African-Americans away from, um, from Christianity. Yeah, it's interesting when uh, my white brothers and sisters can uh, play theological gymnastics. <laughs> and what I mean by that is interesting that uh, they would teach that it's wrong, or some would even say heretical, to separate ethics from theology. But then they do that for some of their racist white heroes. And when you look at, when you talk about, you know, Calvin, anti-Semitic, Luther, anti-Semitic, Whitfield, fought for slavery, uh, and others, um, you know, you, you have a lot of these guys that maybe had great soteriology, um, but they didn't have the ethics to back that up. And so what I think is important that they understand when you want to call Martin Luther King liberal or even a heretic, but then you affirm willful races uh, to mm-hmm. use their terms. That's functional antinomianism. You're separating your ethics from your theology. So as long as you just have a head knowledge of God, but it doesn't actually go into your character, then that should be a problem. I mean, Paul consistently mixes orthodoxy with orthopraxy. He gives us both believing the right things, but then doing the right things based on that belief. And so when we don't do this, what what, what many of my white brothers and sisters don't understand is when you demonize uh, some of our African-American heroes, which are imperfect, uh, none of none of them are perfect. Neither were their their white theologian or falsely, they called themselves Puritans, but not all of them were pure. 
um, it's important that we recognize only Jesus was the perfect one. So all of our earthly heroes have some flaws. So we're not saying that the black ones are better than the white ones. What we're saying is it's hypocritical to try to highlight the issues with some of the black heroes and theologians, but then not have that same standard with your white heroes that were willfully racist and preach good messages while owning slaves at the same time. That is a huge gap in theology that should be addressed. And when we address that, they shouldn't skate, skate over the issue or try to walk around it, but acknowledge that that's a valid point and it needs to be pointed out. And so while many have maybe apologized for it, functionally, there's still a perpetuation of the false narrative when you're presenting uh, racist white heroes as the model for good theology. Uh, that's not a model for good theology when you own people. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, we, and we shouldn't be afraid to say that it has to be addressed. It should be addressed in love, but it should be addressed nonetheless. Amen. I definitely agree. Um, switching back to Dr. Umar Johnson, I know he makes a lot of critiques um, as it relates to the church, uh, the African-American church, yeah. um, especially um, when it comes to economics and what black churches spend their money on. And in a sense, he wants tithes and offerings to be directly invested in the community in the sense of what I'm gathering from kind of some of his interviews. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the, the problem is he is making, he's using uh, one broad stroke to label the majority of black pastors and ministers. Mm -hmm. When you make proponents of the prosperity gospel the norm, as opposed to the anomaly, you make the black church look bad. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is these guys that we may see on TV, on TBN, or the Word Network that are proponents of health and wealth theology, which I do believe is a false gospel. Paul addresses mm -hmm. that in Galatians 1.8. Um, it's important to realize that they aren't the norm. But because they have the mic, because they have a television audience, it can seem as if they're the norm. Mm -hmm. And so I would agree with him in uh, when he, you know, he critiques certain um, specific ministers that are pursuing jets as opposed to empowering our people. I would affirm that as a Christian man, I would affirm that, hey, man, I think, you know, $65 million uh, would be very beneficial to go in our community. You could, hire, you could hire a lot of people. You could start some after school programs. You could start a STEM program. So we're teaching our young black boys and girls science, technology, engineering and math. You know, we could do a lot with that money. So I would affirm that. I would agree with Dr. Umar Johnson. It's important that I said this in my video. You know, I'm not against the brother. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. uh, anti-Dr. Umar Johnson. Um, obviously, we disagree theologically. And, uh, you know, I pray for that brother's salvation. I think he'd be a huge asset to the body of Christ if the Lord, would, <laughs> if the Lord did something in that brother's life. But when uh, my point in my video, I said is, you know, if you're going to critique our faith, you got to critique it accurately. And so it's inaccurate to think that Christianity doesn't have African roots. It's, an it's inaccurate to think that uh, we only believed that once we were brought here uh, during the transatlantic slave trade. It's inaccurate to think that we didn't contribute anything to Christianity, to philosophy, to apologetics. And it's inaccurate to use one broad stroke to say that the majority of black uh, ministers are proponents of the prosperity gospel, because that's just inaccurate. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's helpful for us to set the record straight uh, because so many people uh, in our millennial generation have been indoctrinated through videos. Uh, that's yeah. one of the reasons why um, I, I, 
I try to make these videos, uh, make them videos instead of just a podcast audio version, because I know on Facebook kind of there's a battle going on uh, yeah. for truth and indoctrination. And um, so it's, it's, it's important and vital for us to speak truth to power and give the whole truth uh, so people can be helped and they won't kind of be take uh, indoctrinated through these videos. Because I mean, when I encounter a lot of people, I say, well, what are your resources? And they'll point you to a video they watched. Um, I don't know if it's the same in in your uh, in North Carolina. Is it the same for you? Yeah. Well, first, I'm you know, Lisa. I'm just grateful for you. You know, getting your Second Timothy one on, fanning in the flame, the gift that's in you. You know, and, <laughs> and doing and using you know using technology, leveraging it. So I, I believe we can leverage social media for His glory. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're doing that. So thank you, sister, for that. But yeah, we are. I am seeing that. You know, there uh, probably about six years ago, uh, Zeitgeist, the whole, uh, the Zeitgeist thing on YouTube, which was basically saying that. You know, Jesus was Horus and the Bible is really a book of astrology. Man, I can't tell you how many people watched an eight minute clip from a, a larger video and, and were saying that they no longer believe in Christianity. So, you know, sadly, people aren't reading. Uh, people just aren't reading as much. And they're either uh, Google experts or YouTube experts, uh, but are not putting in scholarly work. Um, and I think it's just important that we recapture that. We really encourage reading. Uh, as parents, I do that with my kids. Like, you have to read every day. Uh, even my five-year-old boy with his Bob's books. So you're going to read a couple of them every day as he's <laughs> learning how to read uh, because it's just so essential so that we can be informed. And we're not saying things that uh, we're not just repeating or regurgitating information someone else said, but that we're doing the research ourselves. So I am seeing that. And I'm trying to combat that as well when I did my video on Umar Johnson just to use technology because people may watch a 15-minute video versus reading a 250-page book. Mm -hmm. Very true. For those who want to learn more about Pan-Africanism and how to kind of refute that as a, as a Christian and navigate through those spaces, what resources would you recommend for them? Well, remember, it's more of an ideology. And so mm -hmm. I think uh, you, you want to read some of W.E.B. Du Bois books. Um, you know, you know, his stuff would uh, any any of his his books would be good. Uh, he, he has a, he's kind of considered the the founder of it. Really, it would be Marcus Garvey. Um, Marcus Garvey influenced uh, Du Bois. And so Marcus Garvey's thoughts and teachings are, are especially what Dr. Umar Johnson relies on. Uh, he, he quotes him all the time. He wants to name the school, you know, after Marcus Garvey. So I would read uh, Marcus, uh, whatever you can find in Marcus Garvey's writings. I would read, uh, you know, W.B. Du Bois. I would also read Ralph Ellison. Uh, I would read some of his books. Um, I think a couple things in terms of engagement for us, I would read Free at Last by Carl Ellis. Uh, that's a good book on just understanding uh, our black heritage and what it means to be a black Christian and how to do theology uh, as a minority in this country. Uh, I will read How Africa Shaped the Christian Mind. I mentioned that in my uh, in my video. That'd be a good book by Thomas Oden. One that's embraced by, by Tony Evans. Uh, he has a chapter where he just goes through the black and brown presence in scripture. And he he provides specific resources in scripture, you know, to back that up. So if, if we're going to be Christians to refute it, we have to affirm each other again, not demonize cultural affinity, not be afraid to say 
um, you know, we support black businesses. We want to invest in black schools. We want to target black neighborhoods uh, and, and realize that affirming blackness doesn't mean anti-whiteness. We mm-hmm. just want to affirm the Imago Day in a historically and a systemically oppressed people. And we want to bring the gospel light to that particular context and not be ashamed to say so or be demonized for doing so. So I think doing that will help us continue to recapture those that may be on the outskirts, leaning towards feeling like they don't have a place in Christianity. Because if you go to certain seminaries, you don't hear any contributions outside of Dr. King. And maybe there's a mention of Fred Luter because he was the first African-American SBC president. But there are so many more contributions right there in the Bible. John Mark, he was a Cyrenian Jew who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Mark and priority, his gospel was written first. And so the other synoptics are based on the writings of an African man. You know, our people need to know that. They need to know that they have a place uh, and that God has used black and brown people uh, in redemptive history. Amen. Well, I'm going to let you have the last word. Uh, <laughs> okay. How, uh, what ways can people reach, reach you on social media, a website to your church, and um, any words you want to leave with our listeners? Yeah, they could uh, check out, us out at visionrdu.com. Um, I'll say that again, visionrdu.com. My personal website is pastorjerome.net, pastorjerome.net. And on Facebook, is just Jerome Gate Jr. Uh, they can find us there. Our sermons and resources are on our website. We, we do that stuff for free. And I would just encourage um, our, our people, uh, our people um, to realize that God uh, has historically used us. God is continuing to use us. And if you feel called um, specifically to to black and brown communities, uh, don't be afraid to say that. I think think it's important that we don't, in the name of diversity, uh, neglect our own because we are seeking the affirmation and approval of others. It's just, it's vital for us uh, to be intentional about reaching us. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do that, uh, cultures that don't understand ours, um, they'll probably neglect or continue to ignore. And so it's, it's just vital for us to engage because, especially with this election, uh, how Christians handled this this last, this uh, uh, recent election and Donald J. Trump being our president, uh, this can either be handing tons of people over to people like Dr. Umar, or we can seize this as an opportunity to be salt and light uh, mm-hmm. in a world that needs to hear the gospel. So I would encourage uh, you know, our people to do so. Amen. I'm in total agreement. We have to save ourselves. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, uh, Pastor Gay. Yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. It's been great. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com. Um, backslash Jude 3 project and remember you can donate on our site so if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you help support us financially um, by going on our website at jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating consider donating to us thank you so much remember at the Jude 3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it